0: Our Untangled Minds by CUSM is for informational purposes only and does not constitute professional medical or psychological advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Please make sure if you do have any questions or concerns that are medical or psychological in nature that you seek out a physician or qualified mental health provider for further help. Furthermore, the information, viewpoints, or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of the individuals that are involved. They do not represent absolute fact and are subject to change at any point in time. CUSM does not accept responsibility for these views. Lastly, the names and details of any medical stories shared in this episode have been edited for privacy. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Our Untangled Minds by CUSM, our own homegrown podcast here. So today, um, I'm your host, John Uless, a MS2 here at CUSM, and we have with us Dr. Stowe, a OBGYN resident over at armc what year are you fourth year resident. fourth year resident all right fantastic um yeah so welcome thanks for being here no problem thanks for having me guys thanks for making first the trip. podcast yeah yeah oh so this is your first podcast first podcast oh. i
1: listen to a lot of them but first time being okay. I mean on one
0: well i think we'll have fun then this we'll is see. only my fourth so perfect
1: we're learning together today um cool so how was the walk over Actually, one of my co-residents drove me over. Oh, I was a little too lazy. I, I didn't want to keep you guys waiting too long. I'm a, I'm a slow walker. Okay.
0: So, so for those of yeah. that, that don't know, it's only like 100 yards. I know. no idea how, <laughs> like it was. So, yeah, it was so close. <laughs> but it is hot. It is hot today. Yeah, so yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. I drove here. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Let's. We're going to start out. We're going to learn a little bit about you. Sure. And then uh, we'll get into some some deep stuff later. Cool. So um, first to start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself. We're, uh, you know where'd you go to med school, where'd you go undergrad, where'd, where'd you grow up kind of thing?
1: So yeah, um, my name's RJ Stowe. Those of you who end up going on rotations at ARMC, I'm the only male OBGYN resident right now, so it won't be hard to find me. I'm also the one with the messy hair. Um, <laughs> it is I, messy. <laughs> I'm looking at it. <laughs> at least he's honest. Um, I grew up in the Palm Springs area in Southern California. I uh, was born out here in Redlands, uh, went to USC for undergrad Took a couple of years trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And then ended up at Western University, the DO school over in Pomona for med school. And now I'm here. Uh, Southern California has, has kept me in like a, like I'm on a tractor beam in a black hole. But um, it's been good to me at the same time.
0: Okay. It's a long time local. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any favorite joints? Any favorite uh, anything? In the yeah. Area?
1: You know, uh, my favorite pizza place is actually maybe 10 minute five, 10 minutes away. It's uh, at you probably drive by it on the 215 called it's at Fiesta Village. a specific place called Nickelodeon Pizza it has nothing to do with oh, the really? television channel but just it's probably not that great of pizza, but it's like how in and out is very nostalgic. Yeah. It, it just, uh, it's, I think I had my first birthday party there. Oh, really?
0: Um, is a Village a little, like, theme park Yeah, a little theme park theme? thing Colton? with the go-kart yeah. and the, the batting cages and stuff. Okay, yeah. very cool. Yeah, there's very a little
1: cool. pizza place in there if you ever get bored or... Nickelodeon pizza. ...have a, a, a little too much fun on Friday night or something,
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, very cool. All right. Now that we know about you, how about we, uh, you tell us, you know, what is OBGYN? What's OB, what's GYN?
1: Okay, yeah, so, you know... if uh, just those words OB or abbreviations OBGYN if you go to different parts in the country you might hear, hear it called OBGYN that's like Texas Gyn it's like the Midwest I like to say OBGYN yeah. um, just you're already saying the letters everybody says OB <laughs> so why not just spell out GYN too but OBGYN is fine too you know we we are doctors that kind of have two not kind of have two specialties obstetrics and gynecology obstetrics dealing with All the physiology and pathophysiology of pregnancy, uh, where the shepherds of both the mom and the fetus through a pregnancy getting to that point, and whether that be uh, helping them have a safe, happy, healthy pregnancy or helping them seek options uh, for termination of that said pregnancy if undesired. Uh, Gynecology, on the other hand, is a specialty that encompasses most of women's health, whether it be contraception or abnormal uterine bleeding, cancer is the reproductive female reproductive tract, fertility issues, um, and everything else in between. Um, So in a lot of ways we serve as uh, primary care physicians uh, to women, especially in communities like this where they may not be able to have a primary care doctor. at the, at the same time, gynecology is a surgical specialty. The general surgeons may disagree with us or any, no, and you're all, and you're all, urology might be annoyed with us every now and then, but, um, we do, we do. I, I like to think as gyne, gynecological surgeons as, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever watched like the great British baking show or whatever, but so like you have some bakers that are really good at a lot of things that would be like a general surgeon or know a lot about a a little about a lot of things we know a lot about one thing we bake sure. bread really well okay. baking bread meaning taking out a uterus okay. and all that kind of stuff <laughs> um so uh, like paul hollywood maybe or something but okay. uh um now sometimes we get into issues when we try to g- do a little too much baking bread but okay. um uh but overall so uh, um, like go to the cookies or something exactly like that. Yeah, yeah we okay. let the, we let the urologist <laughs> take care of the cookies okay. so <laughs> um,
0: um, what are the cookies in this analogy oh, uh, uh, ureters, I oh think. Okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. So OB, mother baby, and guyne is is women's health. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I mean if I just distill the you know, hundreds of years of medicine down into five words. I think that's pretty accurate, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so which one's your favorite then, if you're, you're working on both? Which you know, if I you'd asked
1: me when I was in your shoes or maybe a little bit more advanced than you guys, I would have said the guy actually was a little bit more um, my style. I really liked being a kind of cultural surgeon. I thought our surgeries, I really liked that baking bread, like just being really knowing how to do one surgery a lot of different ways. But since residency has gone through, and you know, obstetrics has just really drawn me, drawn me closer. Um, that's really what fires me up nowadays. I, um, there's something really special about you, like I said earlier, being a shepherd in a lot of ways. Like uh, pregnancy is a normal physiological thing. Um, yes, there's a lot of ways it can go wrong, and that's where we intervene. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, medicalization of pregnancy, which is important because in a lot of ways, there's a lot of pregnancy. Uh, there's a lot of Pregnancies that couldn't continue or would have bad outcomes um, if we otherwise didn't intervene. By all means, I mean, if somebody delivers with a midwife or has a doula, those are all great accepted things because this is a normal physiological thing. But we're there to kind of cheat evolution, step in when otherwise evolution would say, hey, that fetus can't come through the birth canal or... Um, that fetus isn't getting great oxygen. Step in for a cesarean delivery, or that mom has uncontrolled type one diabetes or heart failure, and so we're there to intervene and to do our best and give that mom and baby best chance to um, continue on. Or at the other end, if it's a pregnancy incompatible with life, being able to intervene at that point too.
0: I like that 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 phrase, you know, intervene into, into mm-hmm. evolution, right? Where I, I took I took an evolutionary medicine class oh. in, in college. And uh, our professor, uh, Tom Carlson, shout out, UC Berkeley. Um,
1: go Bears. Hey, go Bears. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh,
0: he, he talked a lot about how, you know, humans are like one of the few or only animals where like as the, as the baby develops, you know, the head is actually larger than the birth canal. And um, that's, I guess it's not a thing for any other animals. It's not, so, yeah.
1: It, bl- it blows my mind. I, I, t- I talk about that with the med students sometimes too. I'm like, I think what we do, it, it, it seems like human... Uh, gestation is just very inefficient. We barely make <laughs> one baby at a time. Have to carry for ten months, all the issues that go along with it. Um, whereas you see cats putting out yeah, right. twelve at a time. Insane. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: cool. So you're you're fourth year fourth year resident, right? Correct. Um, that means you're winding down in terms of residency. What's the next step for you?
1: So um is great because we have lots of different subspecialties within us, kind of like internal medicine does. Um, I'm applying to fellowship uh, into maternal fetal medicine, which is dealing with like I said those uh, those higher risk pregnancies where um, where you have to intervene is you're kind of like the you're not kind of you're the specialist for the complex medical issues that can arise whether the with the mom or the fetus um, during a pregnancy and shepherding them through those issues whether well, whether it be med intervening medically surgically or otherwise. That's cool. That's cool. yeah.
0: So, are you the guy who does, like, the surgeries, like, neonatal surgeries? No. Well, uh... Like, inside the womb kind of deal? Typically,
1: those are kind of... Yeah, no, those are really cool surgeons, (laughs) and there are some MFMs that I think are trained in some of that stuff. Definitely, like, uh, you guys probably have learned about, or will learn about twin-twin transfusion syndrome, and... Okay. And procedures that we, we come back to you guys can text okay. me later. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. um But a lot of that stuff's done by pediatric surgeons oh, too. Okay. But it's that's honestly more or less than an apprenticeship. But yeah, it, we we would be the ones that would refer and communicate well with that team and oh, mani- so like medical management. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: We next, month, right? next block. Oh, yeah, next right. block. Yeah. right. We'll get you on again and we'll talk more about it. I'd love to. We'll see As- Study the,
1: the one class that i really sucked in in pre-clinical oh, really? so, yeah okay <laughs> so if i can go up from here i anybody can so okay yeah it's good to do. i set so. the bar low for you guys
0: <laughs> all right cool so now uh i think a question that's been on you know when i first heard that uh, our, our guest is a ob or OBGYN resident and he's a he's a, a guy a male male presenting mm-hmm. dude you know obviously ob now it used to be you know mostly males and that's has its own bag of worms but now it's it's you know 80 83.4 percent female um, which is like a huge difference compared to other specialties um what what's that like for you kind of your experience kind of in a field that was you know male dominated dominated you know telling women what to do and kind of shifted to where it's there's a lot more women than men what's kind of your experience in that that kind of dynamic
1: yeah, you know, that's a really great question and I uh something I thought I mean, I had to think about a lot as I was going on interviews, you get asked this incessantly as yeah. a medical student going to OBGYN, why be a man in a females dominant specialty for women's health? Yeah, even how,
0: your patients are almost all women. Yeah, makes. exactly.
1: Yeah. How do how do I how do how can I possibly relate? How can you possibly um provide that care without that context? So, it just what's it like culturally just being the only guy in a program of uh, 11, 12 other women, oh, yeah. all, all str- strong-minded, strong-willed, smart women and stuff. You know, you just had, you know, the guys that I identified with going through this process when I was a medical student watching the residents or the attendings were men that were very humble, very willing to sit there and listen, strong-willed, but um, quiet, quieter leaders rather than people out- outspoken, demeaning, paternalistic. It's not, the specialty does not need more paternalism, like you were saying, it's been been a specialty that's been very paternalistic yeah. uh, going back to its uh, early days in 1800s of the with the invention of like the speculum yeah, and, yeah. and things like that a lot of um, unfortunately terrible ex- experiments were done by gynecologists on slave women in the yeah. uh 1800s and oh, stuff Sims, so right? yeah Sims. Yeah. Sims. Nice. yeah but now it's it's refreshing to see that there's well, it's a female dominant specialty uh, for women defending other women because um, mm-hmm. not all women have a voice and it's nice to have their, there's a strong advocate from the medical side for them that's not a nurse, that's not hospital administrator or something like that. Does that mean there's not a role for men? No. Like I said, I think a good a good male OBGYN is one that's humble, the one that's not going to tell women how to fill in labor, not to tell them that their pain is normal or they're bleeding with this contraceptive is normal or this ovarian cyst they have is normal. It's just to listen to them to... to um, Take that context in with the context of all your other patients and uh, and offer them the, the therapy that they may or may not need um, and in hearing them out why it may not may or may not work for them too. You don't have to be the boss. It's their body. It's a normal physiological thing. You just provide them with the tools necessary and, and just remind them that we're here as a team to make sure that you ex- start or expand your family in a happy, healthy way or if their desire is for determination or something like that is providing means not not letting your own personal biases uh, uh, get in the way of uh, therapy that they may or may not desire and stuff too so giving women empowering them with uh, choices for their body whether it's in any context but you're right I mean I was surprised that it, used, it was even 84 percent or whatever mm-hmm. men in the specialty probably cool. the residencies are probably more than 90 percent all oh, women cool. I mean in med school I was the one of 10 in my class that went in OB-GYN. I was the only guy. Okay. Um, and since then, it just, at least at my med school, I was the only guy that go went in. I've yet to find a male medical student that's wanted to go in OB-GYN since we've come through here, at least one that's matched here. So it's a bit disheartening, but at the yeah. same time, you know, we just want the best doctors in this specialty. If they all happen to be women, that so be it. That's fine. That's great. Yeah. It's, it is it is refreshing sometimes having male camaraderie around and stuff, <laughs> but that's just a personally sure. selfish thing. Yeah. So I wouldn't choose anything else. And I think most of my patients are um, happy with my care. And if they're yeah. not, I mean, there's definitely a decent amount that, or a solid amount that don't want a male provider. You okay. just respect their wishes. Yeah. Most most patients don't care, and some patients even exclusively want a male provider. Oh, really? Um, uh, Not very often, (laughs) uh, but uh, we we accommodate their needs, however they are.
0: That's. I I think what you were saying earlier about being, you know, just listening to your patient, and you know, not trying to put in, you know, your biases or, or whatever into what they're telling you. I think that's, that's something that you could all listen to. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a provider yet, but uh, I think everyone in medicine can can hear and kind of should take to heart and take into, you know, the, the exam room with them.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not something that, uh, it's not, we don't have a monopoly on that specialty. <laughs> and I know ob can be a bit of a politi- more political specialty sure. than others given the. Sure, yeah sensitivity over reproductive rights and yeah. stuff but yeah it is absolutely not a just because you think a patient needs surgery or needs this therapy in any in any situation doesn't mean it's the right thing going back even like death of dignity stuff too so i
0: think you mentioned that you know some patients will request to have like not a, a male physician that's something that a lot of male students report like med students they're on rotation um they're asked to leave the room yeah how how should a student handle that i mean Obviously not like pout and throw a fit, but like you know, how do they how do they build rapport with the patient to be able to you know allowed in the room?
1: Yeah, you know, the, I wish um, I had somebody like me to provide guidance on that when I was a medical student because yeah, you get offended, it's um, or you can get offended. Obviously, you don't want to throw the temper tantrum, even though you're probably throwing it inside. And um, always just rem- even though you might be frustrated, and you know that you, you only mean good, and you're trying to learn and that kind of stuff, and trying to respect the intimacy of of, uh, the exam that may be being performed. But, um, yeah. So how, how does a male medical student really try to intervene and provide care for their patient when they may, that patient may not want them around at all. Uh, Understanding that it's a intimate environment, that women are in a vulnerable position. Just the, the exam itself is not a, not a comfortable exam. Any, any, uh, when I was a medical student, I remember they put the intern, they put me to make the male medical, uh, male intern kind of set up in that lithotomy position with legs up in the air. And and it's, it is a very vulnerable exam and vulnerable situation, even when you have your pants on. So what I would tell a male medical student, just like I would have told my, I wish I would have told myself or had somebody tell me, it's just, you know, don't take it personally. It's very easy to say, don't take it personally, but it really is. It's not about you. It's mm-hmm. just, It's just about that context that that patient may bring into that situation. We don't know what their sexual history entails. We don't know what abuse they've gone through or problems with other doctors in the past. And um, it's already, even especially if they're shadowing meats, are probably already very uncomfortable just to have a male provider as Mm -hmm. it is. It can be very uncomfortable. What could just make it worse is a male medical student still learning how to handle a speculum or do a pelvic exam and stuff like that. That being said, I think most of our patients are very willing to have all stu- students of all oh. uh, genders, uh, no matter how they de- identify, uh, in the in the room for delivery or in the room for exam. Wh- how they how they can invite themselves or be consider themselves as being a part of the healthcare team is. Introducing themselves. Hey, I'm student doctor so and so. Always, if the resident's not giving you or the attending's not giving you time to, to introduce yourself, just just button oh, and I'm student doctor so and so. I think that okay. that's always just not who's this strange guy standing in the corner over here. Um, that goes for the female medical students too. Um, but it's definitely especially the male medical students. Um. I think always giving the patient the modesty of uh, giving them a chance to get dressed, letting them get covered and, and showing up, only exposing what they need to expose, always having gloves on, always just explaining what you're going to do next, that kind of stuff. And then when you're invited to be able to do a pelvic exam, which I honestly, when I was a medical student, I wasn't. I think I did like three pelvic exams and it was always really awkward situations just for me for me, and for the patient. If you don't feel comfortable, don't know how to use a speculum, like always ask the resident to show you how to do that kind of stuff. Delivering, um, catching the baby, all that kind of stuff. Seeing that, treating that situation as if it was your mom, wife, sister, stuff stuff like that too.
0: Okay, cool. I mean, do you think you can... Can you tell when a patient is starting to feel uncomfortable with a student or a male provider or anything like that or is it you know is there something you can do to reassure them in that moment
1: yeah you know um it just it, for myself when i'm preparing for a patient that may not may already be uncomfortable with having a pelvic exam as it is no matter what male or female and then knowing it's a male provider you know i just say i use a very monotone voice you guys probably heard it so far on this podcast um, it's very low, very, we're going to do this as brief as possible. We have the MA or the nurse in here. She's here to help you. Sometimes you break the, t- if the patient's the right kind of patient, you break the tension like, okay, you can have the nurse punch me afterward kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And just, uh, that kind of stuff. We're only going to do what we have to, you, if, you know, this is supposed to be uncomfortable. Obviously I've never had this done to myself, but it shouldn't be painful. If it's painful, you tell me to stop and we stop. This is not something that has to be pain. It should be painful. Um, so using just uh, big open-ended yeah. terms like that and then just being very slow and uh, explaining everything you're doing along the way as you open the speculum, not just cranking open the speculum or making big movements, um, being very gentle with your exam, um, knowing exactly what you're touching when and stuff. And, and um, again, always, always making sure that they know you have gloves on and that kind of stuff because you don't want that miscommunication as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your typical day? You know, with how early do you get there? How long do you stay? What are you doing?
1: Yeah, definitely. We LBGYN, practice, as a provide as an attending level, you. You really do practice, as a journalist, you do practice obstetrics and gynecology every day. So whether that be coming in at 6 in the morning to round on your postpartum patients and then going to the OR for your scheduled C-section, going to clinic to see your GYN patients. And that as, an, as a resident, it's a little different, it's a little bit more compartmentalized. In the morning, you have your patients around on whether you're on OV, you're rounding on your postpartum patients, usually getting there about 5.30 or so or your GUI and post-op patients, about the same. We, as a team, we sign out at 6.30 every morning. And then around 7.30, we're usually done with sign out. The OB team goes to go take care of the labor and delivery, whether it be sections, deliveries, yada, yada. Um, managing the triage area, which is like our OB emergency department. Or GYN goes, uh, we go to the OR, we go to clinic, this and that. And then we usually rally as rally a team again at 5.30 at the end of the day. To, uh, to go over and sign out to our night team. Um, it's uh, OBGYNs, probably like similar to like trauma surgery. You always have to have a team on call that's mm-hmm. team in the hospital and ready for any obstetrical emergency and manage it, put out any GYN fires overnight too. Different programs manage that call different way. We have a night float system in our residency. So the night float covers Sunday night through Friday morning every night.
0: So I, m- I imagine you have a lot of procedures, right? So. Which one is your favorite and which one are you best at? Are they oh, the that's, same? A, no, no, that,
1: that's definitely not <laughs> the same. I mean, my favorite procedure, uh, I really love a laparoscopic hysterectomy. I think a lot of us do at, at, through um, straight stick laparoscopy. Um, also really, really like a vaginal hysterectomies. Um, what I'm good at, though, I mean, C-section. I, I've sure. My fastest uh, skin-to-skin C-section was 16 minutes. So oh, nice. that was we do a lot, we do less C-sections now that we're senior residents uh, rather okay. than when you're like an intern or second year, but a, a decent like second, third year resident can get most of the C-section done be- by like 40 minutes. When you're an oh. intern, it's going to take like like an hour and a half to two hours or so. so oh my Lord, 16 um, minutes then. The <laughs> patient was, a, a patient very made it very easy, easy very skinny, very, and uh, no previous C-sections or anything. So, but yeah, I mean, for me, my average is probably like 25 minutes. 20 to 25 minutes now
0: cool speaking of procedures so we read up on one of your research i think it was a poster um, and it was talking about differences in cesarean delivery rates between races and you found that black populations have a higher rate of c-section compared to the mean or the median and um, hispanic populations have a, a much lower rate what is your hypothesis there
1: what is known is that there are these inherent racial biases sure. in From what I can talk about is obstetrics-related outcomes. We do know that blacks in the United States, unfortunately, do have a higher C-section rate even when you control for all comorbidities. They have higher um, NICU admission rates for the neonate and as well are already at higher risk for preeclampsia, gestational Mm -hmm. diabetes, all those kind of things. And then Hispanic non-black in the United States, why they have lower C-section rates we... We don't really know. We're trying to figure that out there. I mean, our, our, this project was just unique to this hospital mm-hmm. where we have a patient population that is completely Medicaid or in California, Medi-Cal mm-hmm. dependent. So we able to look at least control for insurance because a different places, we've seen that um, insurance does play play a part in obstetrical related outcomes sometimes, too. Uh, we're able to control for a region, too. We also happen to have a very obese population, too, in this area, um, e- economically served about the same way, unfortunately, poorly served. Uh, ultimately, we are, uh, uh, this, that project was to uh, evaluate if there was any um, physician, inherent physician biases, whether it be gender-based or practice-year-based type of practice, because though we're the main people that do obstetrics, there are family medicine doctors yeah, that yeah. do some obstetrics too, as well as uh, physician uh, race we have quite a diverse uh, group of uh, physicians here. What we found is that there was really no physician bias in terms of whether it be any of those categories. As I said in terms of C-section rate with American Black um, or uh, Caucasian or Hispanic, or there was some relationship with, um, I think, the Native American and Pacific mm-hmm. Islander, but I, um, I I don't remember the exact, But it wasn't statistically significant enough. Oh, but okay. But, yeah, we're still we're still working on collecting data with that, especially in the times that we're at now. We're evaluating. Everybody's taking a step back and evaluating yeah. their uh, racial biases. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's a good thing that we're yeah. not taking stock.
1: Exactly. I mean, know, yeah, if we're, if we're not, I mean, I've been privileged to grow up as a white male yeah. and um, in a specialty that – and to be able to – it's a privilege to work in a specialty as a male and stuff too, so – If I'm not taking a step back and thinking about my own biases, then you're not serving your patients well. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're always trying to get better, right? Yeah. it's good. All right. Well, thanks. That's uh, going to be part one for us. Now that we've talked about some specific issues in the IE, let's focus more, even more in the IE on ARMC and talk about what medical students can do and expect during their clerkships at ARMC. Definitely. Cool. Cool. So we're back going to be talking about... um, how to do well in our OBGYN rotations, um, as an M3, as an M4. Um, cool. So let's start off with, um, first day nerves, right? So I've never had done a clerkship before, but I get nervous doing like clinical skills here with fake patients and my classmates and I get sweaty hands. I'm all nervous. And (laughs) even though it's like 60 degrees in the school, I'm sweating. Um, so how do students, you know, settle in on their first day and, what are their expectations on the first day?
1: Yeah, you know, um, OB/GYN is a core clerkship that you'll remember when you're a 20-year attending or whatever, whatever specialty you're doing. But maybe other specialties don't agree with that. I mean, internal medicine teaches you how to round and write notes. General surgery teaches you what a sick patient looks like and how to get a patient to the OR. Family medicine teaches you how, um, outpatient medicine, uh, ER teaches you how to uh, work up a differential quickly and get that patient to care as soon as possible us we teach you women's health and all the context of that um so but yeah what do we expect from our students when they come on that clerkship let's say it's your first rotation of third year well sorry it's your first rotation of third year sometimes (laughs) I think internal medicine is probably the best one to start with that being said it was like one of my last rotations of third year but um and I turned out okay but um Uh, It's a specialty that we move incredibly fast-paced. We we stretch very thin. Being obstetricians and gynecologists, we can be anywhere I can be in clinic, uh, working, doing uh, colposcopy and then being called for an emergency C-section because we have two, uh, C-sections going at the same time, having to run upstairs labor and delivery. Um, and then rounding on this patient or that patient in the afternoon, that's completely unrelated to what I was doing earlier in the day. So, so we're stretched a lot of different ways. We're also, um, a smaller service, um, as a lot of the students will see when they get the RMCs is that uh, we are only 12 residents in total. I think internal medicine and family medicine both have more than 12 in each class. Hmm. Um, psych, I'm not sure what they have. General surgery is about five a year. Um, but unfortunately, our, our patient loads no less than everybody else's. It's just, it's a, it's just how OB-GYN residencies are set up. Um, how... How does a student fit in in that busy kind of fast paced situation? Well, I'm not asking the student to be the smartest. I'm not asking you to know um, everything I know. I've been doing this for three years as a resident. So that's every day. I don't know if anybody well read Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, but the 10,000 hours thing, if anybody uh, remembers that. I've been most of the most any student that's starting on their OBGON rotation that's their first minute of their first day I'm not asking you to be anywhere close to me or anywhere yeah. close to the interns I also had four months of rotations of in it as a fourth year student because that's a specialty I was going into and going on audition rotations um I just want you to have a good attitude I want you to be eager flexible and um and just knowing when's the appropriate time to ask questions and otherwise just be present um none of us i think some of us can come off as uh short sometimes but it's it's not that we um we we dislike having students around we just are are so consumed with other things in patient care um we want you to feel like you're a part of the team and sometimes the way to feel like a part of the team is just acting like you're a part of the team and taking that ownership of your patients um other than that we'll teach you i don't like i said i didn't know how to do a really a pelvic exam until i was an intern and stuff so (laughs) i'll teach you guys all that kind of stuff um um, just want you, and, and if you don't know something, that's okay. Just say you don't know and come back the next day saying, you know, I read a lot about this. Can I ask you about that? Um, there's certain topics that maybe I'll have you, I want you to have some familiarity with, but you should learn those in medical school, yeah. but we'll refresh you on that stuff too. Okay,
0: cool. And like you, you said last time. You know, uh, repro is your worst block. So. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm <laughs> a masochist <laughs> or something. But uh, uh,
1: I mean, I really like the things that I struggle with it a okay. little bit and stuff, too. I mean, even going into MFM, I thought, oh, yeah. there's no way I'd be an When I started residency, there's no way I'd be in MFM. That's so complex. But I just you like a challenge. I'm, not everybody needs a challenge, but just yeah. find a way to challenge yourself a little bit to cover up those weaknesses. Treat this rotation. If I give any uh, any med third-year med student, any advice um, is treat every rotation like you're going to do that specialty. Okay. Give it your all. Yeah. I don't know if anybody watched the show f- uh, Friday Night Lights or the movie Clear Eyes, Full Hearts Can't Lose. Just give it your all. <laughs> if you don't like it at the end of it, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't like peds very much at the end of it, but I still did my best. And it's yeah. psych, same thing. It wasn't my favorite, but, you know, I'm familiar with some stuff and, and I'm okay saying that I wasn't going to be a psychiatrist yeah. at the end of it, so...
0: So this might be a little more cosm specific. I don't know how many schools do split rotations, but we, we have split rotations, right? So I think it's, I think for OB it's it's three weeks in the first semester, and then you do three weeks again in the, in Correct, the second yeah. semester. Correct. Um, how does that change any of that? Device? Do you think, or does it change any? At all? Um,
1: you know, I I feel bad sometimes because you guys only get three weeks and then another three weeks. When I was a med student, my rotations were four weeks, and I really didn't hit my stride until like the third week or so. And uh, but really, you know, I, I help. Uh, I am uh, like the resident liaison for the medical students. Okay. I help Dr. Geyer. He's the clerkship coordinator. But um, so I'm really actively involved with the medical students and I really can tangibly feel a difference in. Um, with the medical, like uh, after when the med- medical students come through a second time, because try to really familiar, familiarize myself with you guys. The ones that stand out are usually always the good ones and the bad ones, but <laughs> but um, I really you do try to pay attention to that middle class well too, and you really see skills develop as students have gone through rotations a second time. You start seeing them take a little bit more ownership of their patients, yeah. understanding the topics that they're studying finding because everything becomes a lot more exciting when you understand mm-hmm. what's going on and stuff too. Even, you know, honestly, like the first three weeks of or first, your first rotation, you're just trying to figure out what the hospital, how the hospital yeah. runs too. Yeah. So where, where the cafeteria is, where the bathrooms are like that. There's a lot of things to think about all at once. And, and the more time you get exposed to that, the more less things you have to clutter your brain with too.
0: Yeah. So do you notice the students improve or are, are they like, they better the second semester oh definitely yeah
1: i mean definitely there's always the good ones that always start you know i was a really shy medical student took me two surgical rotations to feel comfortable in the or after getting yelled at by scrub techs and circulators (laughs) they really can ruin a. those people can really ruin a rotation and and as residents we try to be your guys defenders and stuff Mm -hmm. too but but again it's it's still just being just just trying to stay in sterile field in the or and stuff is just really a nerve-wracking experience just Knowing you didn't have to break you didn't break sterile field today is kind of uh, for a case is exciting. Yeah, so, yeah. or in the resin hands you the scissors to cut something, I mean that, that's all exciting small stuff. Yeah. But um, it makes the rotation go a lot better, and you feel more confident with the more exposure you get.
0: Cool. Cool. All right. So uh, with that being said, um, are there any skills you know that because and you, you hear about surgery, hey, know how to suture, know how to tie knots um, before you go into surgery rotation, anything like that for OB?
1: Yeah, you know, um, the main school, I, like I kind of said, is some, somebody that can recognize the sensitive environment that they're working in, um, and uh, re- whether it be a male or female medical student, understanding the, the intimacy of certain exams or surgeries. I mean, even like our surgeries where for our gynecological surgeries, like hysterectomy or something, the patient uh, is a bit exposed and understanding the modesty to uh, um, that the patient deserves. and. Um, that, that kind of stuff, just, just, um, being aware of that kind of situation, I think uh, goes a long way because we, we do find, we go out of our way to try to respect that aspect of our patients. Um, otherwise I know what you're more asking is like, um, stuff with your hands and that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, definitely being familiar with tying knots, knowing what a one and two handed knot is. Um, and then just knowing kind of just, just g- being generally a good listener. Hey, mm-hmm. just stand there for me. Don't move your hands from there just just generally just taking instruction well and i will teach you whatever you need to know okay. from there but uh, but uh, other than that yeah that's you don't need to know how to deliver a baby i remember <laughs> watching a youtube video similar <laughs> a video in china like, okay this is how i catch the baby this is like that you know that's not your job I'll, okay. I'll show you how to do that so um but being familiar the more better thing is just being familiar with like the stages of labor cardinal mo- cardinal movements of labor that kind of stuff that'll make more sense to you after repro but
0: that's my next question, yeah. actually. What what content do I need to know? All so right. um,
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah, bookmark this one till when you're, once you're done with repro. Yeah. But when you come into like our rotation, we want you to be familiar with what a prenatal visit is uh, entails, what um, the routine prenatal care and consists of over the pregnancy, uh, the time intervals. Um, the other things would be like on labor and delivery, understanding what labor is, just the, the definition, the cervical change, irregular using contractions. Um, what, uh, how to calculate uh, gestational age, and that's just having a cell phone and, a, and an OB wheel app, um, knowing what the stages of labor are, knowing what the cardinal movements of labor, mer- knowing what a perineal laceration is and the, the degrees of those, gynecology, knowing what abnormal uterine bleeding is, knowing what palm coin is, uh, knowing the different contraceptive methods, um, that kind of stuff is, is all um, and then the different routes of hysterectomy, I think that that's just basic knowledge. I think if you come in just familiarizing yourself <laughs> with the terminology a little bit, I think that'll take you a long way and you'll, yeah. you'll have accomplished everything I've wanted you to accomplish in that rotation. Okay.
0: So. so you mentioned, you know, having your, that app you just mentioned like two seconds ago I heard it yeah. and uh, some other things um what what resources should should students be taking advantage of that like textbooks or like the apps or anything like that
1: yeah you know when i was a med student uh, the online med ed guy i thought he did a good job for like being an internal medicine guy for doing that kind of stuff uh i don't know what he does now but those those lectures seem to be very good and uh listening to one of those a night is probably really good on your rotation um I know a lot of my friends, like, the Case Files OBGYN Mm -hmm. textbook. I think there's a lot of good studying material in there. Otherwise, um, you know, if you really are thinking about OBGYN, um, just like how when you guys get closer to rotations or learn about, like, the, the resources you might have in your white coat, but there's one like pocket medicine or something. We have a pocket OBGYN, it's a red book. Actually, I think they changed the color recently, but it was a red book when I was a med student. Uh, But I was contrarian and bought a different one. It was a green one, it was like pocket OBGYN. It was like the, the pocket OBGYN version of the pocket medicine, but OBGYN had a specific one. But any of those little pocket resources, I think you can probably get it on your phone now. Uh, otherwise, what? And then you know, I I anatomy textbook is always helpful too. Oh, uh, yeah. Just to have it home, not carrying around. But hey, you know, I don't really understand that um, that the pelvis from the laparoscopic point of view. Let me go back and look at that, and then come back to your surgery the next day. Oh, now I really understand it. So
0: yeah, Josh was going to jump in. Yeah. So we've had a few attendings, few residents on here, and I just want to say I love that no one remembers the names of these books. It's all just. I think it was red. I think it was orange. <laughs> I think it was blue. I forget. <laughs> Everyone had this one. It's just funny. To me.
1: Exactly. Yeah. know. We 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 call it the red book, and, uh, but I don't yeah. think it's the red book. And that's. I think we just figured that out recently because the interns just started, and their color, their book was a different color. So. I'm in
0: medical school, and I couldn't name any of our textbooks. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I know, I heard <laughs> I, some, of the,
1: some of the med students on the rotation right now. I'm like, oh, do you guys have like a Netters or what was the other? Net- Teams, I think was the other anatomy tech. Oh, no, we just look online or whatever. And I'm like, wow, I have a 3D all right, it's all different. Yeah, the, the, the 3D iPad app was like oh, clutch and anatomy cool. yeah. you know, when I was in med school. We, yeah. we, I'm, I'm young enough to remember that at least. So yeah,
0: we, we actually don't actually have cadavers here. So yeah. a lot of the, especially us last year being virtual, was all online using virtual body. That's nuts. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was what it was. Yeah. Past. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the name of the game. That's right.
1: <laughs> so,
0: what is one thing that you see medical students kind of miss during patient evaluations or presentations that you see like all the time? Like, like, what's a common thing for us to miss?
1: You know, it's just that, and I had the same problem. You get nervous and you forget to order your presentation. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a 39 year old female, and oh, she has a, she has a cancer, but oh, she comes today for bleeding, and her vitals are this. Oh, and then uh, she also says she has painful intercourse. Oh, and her hemoglobin is just jumping back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Just present in a consistent way. You'll understand the lower down the totem pole you are, the less time, less uh, tension span we have for you. <laughs> you have a, probably about mm, 15 to 30 seconds for us to to convince us you're trying to sell us something okay and if you're jumping around it's like oh, I've already um, I'm gonna start looking at my cell phone like attendings do that to me too so yeah. don't be offended but um, it's just the, the more experience you have the the more audience you have with that the higher up person that you're trying to is, sell that patient to
0: is there like a certain way you want it done or is it just do it the same way every time
1: we want it presented in a uh, soap note fashion okay. I don't know if you guys have started writing yeah. notes but subjective objective. Yeah assessment and plan so and as a third year student I really just want to know your subjective objective and tell me your differentials sure and then we start working together on the rest of the stuff after that but you know this is a 39 year old female a g3 p2 comes in for bleeding you know she her periods have come irregular over the last year this and that her vitals are are her medical history surgical history significant for this vitals are this exams this labs are this honestly like my brain can follow that train of thought And I have attendings that do that to me too. At the end of the presentation, when she was my senior resident too, and she'll be like, "Wait, how many weeks is she?" I'm like, you "Are you that. really <laughs> not listening?" I don't understand. <laughs> it, don't be offended if it's just it's just a tension span kind of thing. So I think the example helped. Yeah, an example in the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and we'll we'll teach you that kind of okay. stuff. And and I'm sure they they'll teach you here too. And most services will want it presented a similar way. Yeah. Just what's super important will vary a little mm. bit, but. Um, yeah. I think
0: we just jumped into Soap Notes. And, good. Uh, it, it, it wasn't good, but we, we started. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I,
1: yeah, mine mine lasted like three minutes. My yeah. presentations lasted like three minutes at the beginning. And nobody is, I remember when I was a third year student on an orthopedic surgery rotation and the third year resident pulled me aside after I presented attending. He's like, man, you got to get better. Like that is a terrible <laughs> presentation. And he's like, try, he was trying to be really helpful. And I, I still remember that. And that's what I really try to work yeah. with, with you guys.
0: You know what not to do. Um, how can a student, um, an M3 or an M4, I guess, uh, make a, a good impression? You know, they, they want to do OB or, or UAN or they want to do OB, OB-GYN. How can they really shine on, on rotation?
1: That's a great question. Um, I want to see a student that takes ownership of their patient. If um, they're on labor and delivery and they see a patient in labor and delivery triage, that they they saw that patient they interviewed that patient came and found the resident hey you know presented it I think we need to do a pelvic exam you let the nurse kindly know us, hey we're gonna get ready for a pelvic exam do you mind helping us out or and then moving the patient over to ultrasound being present for that ultrasound or even asking hey can I being observant okay uh, do you mind if I try this time being prepared if you're asked to do something be somewhat prepared and familiar mm-hmm. with it um, and then um, seeing that following that patient oh okay we got this lab value. Oh, hey, Dr. Stowe, I saw that her hemoglobin's this or her fern test positive. And then um, if they're going back for C-section being well read for, okay, we're doing the C-section because of this reason. Uh, same with surgery, you know, um, being prepared for the operating room. Why is this patient getting hysterectomy and not just uh, scrubbing in and being at, so what are we doing this for? Like mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That That's, I mean, I guess that's a bad thing, but it, say, oh, okay, well, Dr. So-and-so, what do you think of, why, why do you think, she needed a laparoscopic hysterectomy instead of abdominal hysterectomy mm. or this or that. I think those are good questions. And then being there present to round on, I I, I don't know, I had a that's that like, told me when I was a med student, um, you know, if you're going to see a patient in the OR, watch them go to sleep, take something out of their body, watch them wake up, you probably should see them the next morning to see how they're doing sure. and, and yeah. taking that ownership early on because that might be you someday if you're a surgeon or mm-hmm. even somebody you admit, if you're in medicine, somebody you admit from the ER that's in uh, septic shock and has to be intubated and pressors and all that. You you you're going into medicine because you're you're not trying to treat lab values and CT scans. You're trying to treat a person. Yeah, so yeah. always coming back to that. And that's that's how students shine to me. If they want to do ob that's even if they don't want to do ob Join, just just still do well. Yeah. yeah, that humanistic part. Just don't don't forget the learning. You guys are all really smart. I, I've I not had one student that I thought wasn't smart enough to be a doctor coming from your guys' school. You guys are all. Rate. so um, it's just remembering that humanist aspect
0: i think it's been a, a common theme across the everyone we've talked to uh and like the specialists where it's been you know a lot about the soft skills treating your patient like a person not just you know right. a set of values so um yeah,
1: and unfortunately, medical school does us a little disservice um, by making it so board exam focused and yeah. stuff. I mean, it's not here. My med school was the same way too. Mm-hmm. It, it and um, it's just, it, that's why it's probably good that they're making Step One pass fail, mm-hmm. um, because we get so focused on answering a multiple choice question and not. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know what? Sorry. Why why isn't my patient taking this her blood pressure medication? What what are her barriers to this? Like, why why is my patient taking her insulin? Oh, it's because she. D- can't speak Spanish or speak English or even read Spanish. She speaks a native language. Like why weren't we trying to cross the trying to bridge that gap before and stuff too. So,
0: okay. All right. So let's say I'm a student. I've been taking ownership of my patients. (laughs) I've been really shining. Oh, definitely. Um, I can see that. I made a big impression. Uh, So how do I go about uh, getting a letter from you or my attending or whoever?
1: Yeah. So um, as much as I'd love writing a letter for you, um, residents should not, and won't write letters for you guys. Just it just doesn't look good on a app- application. So, um, so how should you get letters from people that matter? So, um, whatever service you go through, you want to get the uh, the a letter at least for either from the clerkship coordinator or clerkship director. I'm sorry, or the program director, or even the chairman if you have that opportunity. On our service, you work a little bit more directly with the residents, and then we all go talk to the attendings together. But the attendings are very observant of the medical students. Unfortunately, we have a lot of medical students on service, so sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to stand out. So what I ask you guys early on is if you do want a letter from Dr. Gaiari, who is the clerkship director, or Dr. Wong, who is our program director, um, is to let me know early on, hey, I'm thinking i getting a letter from this on this rotation. So, okay, then I try to put you in opportunities for you to shine mm-hmm. and succeed. So it's not just a generic, oh, this student did well. Um, he he knew how to stand in the OR and this kind of, kind of yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. oh, he really you want those that personal aspect because yeah. you know we help out with interviews uh, for residency interviews, and when I read letters of rec, you can tell what are just like copy pasted ones and what yeah. which aren't. So, um, the la- thing you don't want to do is just ask Dr. Gary on the last day after you haven't <laughs> met him or anything. Say, hey, can I get a letter of recommendation? Yeah. Or, um, and he's happy to write them for uh, anybody he's deems fit he's not yeah. going to write one for everybody so even if you don't want to do obgyn if you're a good student you deserve a good letter of recommendation yeah. so
0: so does that, does that go for students who maybe aren't interested in going into the field but they had a good time and they really made good yeah, relationships definitely.
1: Like, yeah definitely somebody that we think is a good do- a good future doctor we yeah. want to recommend them into whatever they're going sure. into it may not mean a lot for us to say uh, hey uh this person if you're going to radiology like yeah. hey, for us to say oh yeah he did great on his ob rotation but maybe we can write something like oh yeah school skilled, skilled with ultrasound yeah. and stuff like that yeah. so
0: cool so kind of our last question here again i'm very interested in ob just finished my OBGYN rotation what can you tell me about different routes that i can take with the specialty to get more involved and do you have any advice for someone who is anyone listening right now who is uh super inter- interested in OB-GYN.
1: Yeah, for anybody out there thinking about, thinking that OB-GYN is something that they may wanna do. Um, I know when I was a medical student, I had quite a solid group of friends that wanted to do OB-GYN and during pre-clinicals, I was not one of them, but they were involved in like the women's health interest group mm-hmm. and went to uh, this conference or that conference or in whatever meetings were available. Um, but, um, but I don't think any of that is absolutely necessary. Right now, it's just focusing on learning as much as you can in the, while you're here in the classroom. Um, as you get to advance through medical school, I mean, you guys are very lucky to have um, the hospital yeah. association and our department. I mean, you guys found me somehow. So that was, <laughs> How did um, we find him? I don't know, it's stalked my Twitter <laughs> or something. But uh, um, uh, not, not hesitating to reach out to one of us and say, hey, yeah. you know, I'm really interested in doing OBGYN. In non-COVID times, I think there's room for shadowing. I know, oh, okay. I know, like my friends that did OBGYN, um that like I said, I went to Western. They came and shadowed uh, over here yeah. at a certain point and stuff too. And, and right now, we haven't had anybody shadow for a while. Um, otherwise, um, as you get into your third year, uh, you may want to think about attending a conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, ACOG is our governing body, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecology obstetrics and gynecology um uh the conference this year is actually in san diego yeah. even when i was a third year med that. student there were some second year med students there too so um i think it's free for medical students too so if you want to pop down there's a lot of cool you get a lot of free gear sit through nice. some cool lectures otherwise <sighs> a research um research in, general. research in the field like if, if ob-gyn is something you're very interested in try to work on that paper second year or yeah. so before you start getting a step one studying, maybe beginning a third year. So contacting, I mean, all of us are working on stuff, but we can put you in contact with Dr. Roloff and, and she's always putting out papers and there's a lot of cool. stuff that we can help you with too. So, um, not to say research is mandatory. My, my research in medical school is more orthopedic surgery based and sure. stuff, but, um, uh, it, it helps when it's in that especially yeah. cause it gives you something to talk about at the interview. And, and I, you know, um, if you're really fired up about something, you're probably going to have questions about it. Yeah. I think that's what I knew when I knew I wanted to do this specialty um, was like, I had just sort of crazy call night as a medical student and um, come home, sleep. And the first thing I do is I wake up and I read about everything I could <laughs> about that patient with help syndrome or that, uh, that all the, this weird complex adnexal yeah. mass or postpartum bleeding, that kind of stuff. And, um, and it forced me to have questions like, Oh, well this hasn't been studied. Why? And that, that kind of stuff. So cool. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I, I mean that's it for me. Any any last comments?
1: So, yeah, you know, um I think one thing I probably didn't talk about it at the beginning very much is just what why oh, I chose to go into OBGYN. I just my my path was a little indirect like I've sure. m- alluded to. I really thought it was going to be like an orthopedic surgeon or something mm-hmm. early in med school and and when it rotated and I hated it. And it was nothing to do, like, the great. I mean, I have a new knee because of orthopedic surgery. Mm-hmm. So that being said, it just wasn't for me. Once I brought in my mind to the rest of my rotations, I really found, like, the one specialty that really fired me up and was OBGYN. It just is like that I was talking before, just that hunger to learn more, yeah. To, yeah. that I was energized, like, that kind of introvert, extrovert thing. I'm, I'm definitely an introvert, but especially it energized me at the end of the day. I wasn't exhausted. I didn't want to just crawl into bed like I did after mm-hmm. certain rotations. And I encourage, as you guys go forward over the rest of your second year and go into third year, just thinking about what that specialty is that fires you up, yeah. treating every rotation like that. You want to do that and just yeah. fire me up, or is this a mental drag on me? And I'm just trying to pass this test at this point. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. It's hard. We have long hours. It doesn't get much easier as an attending I have another three years of fellowship after this, after four years of residency, but I really couldn't imagine myself doing anything any different. And I hope when you're at my point someday, you guys can say the same thing too.
0: Well, I mean, it brings it back to what you said earlier about treating every rotation like this is the one because Mm -hmm. it may end up being the one. So, all right. Well, Dr. Stowe, I appreciate you coming on. We all appreciate you coming on. I think uh, this is, we had a great time. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah, don't hesitate to reach out to me again. Oh, we will. And uh, anybody out there listening wants my contact info. I'm not hard to find. So Sweet. I just, look, just ask for the male OBGN resident <laughs> in the hospital. All right. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please email us at podcast at csm.org. That's O-U-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at c-u-s-m.org.